Yes. Good evening, family. The last time my wife and I were here was five years ago, and we distinctly remember this gathering five years ago. We distinctly remember being with a lot of people, talking about what God was doing around the world, and then praying for each other. And I know that if you are here, I, I, I can just assume certain things about you, that you are responding to God. You're trying to live right now in a way that would honor the Lord, and you're trying to figure out how you can honor the Lord more in the future, right? Okay, so uh, we have this certain kinship here. But I'll tell you some stories about us, and uh, <clears throat> I have three, my wife and I have three sons, and, and all of us really love movies. And so I remember last year in December, and uh, where we come from, okay, where, where we come from, uh, December is the middle of summer because it's Southern Hemisphere. And uh, so it was nearing Christmas time, and we went from Zimbabwe down to South Africa to meet up with family. But there was one event we had to catch, and that was that on, we bought tickets online for December 17th to see Star Wars. Because my family just made it clear we had to go see Star Wars on the opening day. So we went to see Star Wars. And uh, I like a, a grand story like that. But tell me something. Have you ever done this? Have you ever walked in on a film that was halfway through? Anybody besides me? You walk in on a film halfway through and you have to kind of figure out what's going on there. And I find that if, if we are going to pursue God, one of the things we're pursuing is we're pursuing a great story, and in some ways, it seems like we grow up wondering, why is the film already going on? Because as we get older, we realize that there is this story that's been going on since God created the universe. And we land in a certain spot, and we look around, and we say, well, where do we fit into the plot? And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to figure out what is the plot of this great story. And can I fit into this? And what we discover is that there really is a central hero to the story. Now, if you love a good movie or you love a good book or you love a good story told some other way, one of the things that has to happen at the beginning of the book or the, or the movie or something is you have to uh, identify with that main character. Because that main character, somehow, you must connect somehow within the first few minutes or within the first few chapters of a book. Otherwise, you're not going to keep reading or you're not going to keep watching. But what we discover, if we are bold enough and truthful enough, is that we are reading or we find ourselves a part of a great story and we find out that the main character is the greatest lover in the universe. And then we begin to discover something. We use the term God, but God goes by many names. And we find out that, that this, this great character is not just one, but three. The great character is actually a unity of, of three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, and, and the story goes really about what they're doing for each other. Now, obviously, we, we join the story and we think, well, the story is about how God wants to rescue me from sin. Absolutely. But really, the great story that we're in is what the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are doing for each other. And so, really, the goal of the story, the long-range goal, is to make sure that that activity is known and participated in. And so, if we, if, what we find is the great hero of the story is calling other people to be heroes and heroines in the story with them. And the older I get, the more important that is. And when I was your age, I was looking for my place in the great story. 
And I was trying to figure out, well, what is it going to cost me to be a part of this? And I'll tell you a little bit more about myself. Um, I'm from Los Angeles. My parents are from Los Angeles. And when I was six years old, my parents joined a congregation because they experienced something on their first visit they hadn't experienced in other congregations. And it was the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was welcome in that particular place. And we joined, that was 1968, and I think Paul came along a couple years later, um, and he stayed quite a number of years. And so he was there when I was a boy, when I was a teenager, and yes, he was, he, he was in leadership in the school that I was a part of. I won't tell all the stories. And, uh, but then I was, but I was around people who were trying to figure out if we are working as accountants and engineers and as carpenters and electricians and stuff, is that all there is? And the other, another question people were trying to understand is, what is this about life together? You know, how do we live life together? And in that congregation, there were a lot of people who were trying to find God's way to live together, live that life together, and to have healthy families. And I won't tell you it was an easy journey. Sure, it was a rocky road, but I, I am a product of, a, of my parents' generation trying to figure out how do we do this in a way that gives God glory. And so I went off to university. I went to a small university in Ohio, Christian school, and then I moved to Michigan for a couple of years, and then I moved back to California. Now, the reason I give you these strokes of my life is that what I was doing is I was trying to tap into what God had for me. And I'll just tell you a story from when I was 17. I was 17 years old, senior in high school, praying about where to go to college. And um, I remember my, my mom wanted me to go to Washington, D.C., and my grandmother insisted I go to New York. And my sister was going to school in San Diego, and she said, Jay, you got to come here. And then my dad said, I've read about a little Christian school in eastern Ohio you should go visit. And I thought, I'm not leaving California. But I went, and I remember I went with my mom, and we went to this Christian school, and we went into the chapel, and we sat down, and we looked at each other and said, wait a minute, God is here, God is welcome, and I ended up choosing that school and going there for four years, and one of the reasons I mention that is that currently, I have the privilege of living in the nation of Zimbabwe, and God has gone to tremendous efforts to get me there, and I'm very grateful, because not everybody can. So I'm living in a nation where I want to be, and I couldn't be doing what I'm doing if I hadn't grown up in a congregation, that particular congregation. And I couldn't be doing it if I hadn't gone to the university I went to, where there was a lot of formation. And then I lived two years in Michigan because I went to see how other people were trying to live out life in the spirit together. And then I'll tell you another story from when I was... um, 23 going on 24 and I was seeking God oh I prayed hard and I was fasting and I was reading the Bible and I was trying to get advice from other people and at a certain point I remember distinctly I I uh God said to me honestly Jay if you want to serve me you want to serve me well I really want you to go back to San Pedro California which was not what I thought he'd say But it was so clear. And so I obeyed it. And to my amazement, I ended up just like living 12 years as a boy in San Pedro. I lived another 12 as an adult. And the Lord blessed me. And the Lord blessed my family. 
And I couldn't be doing what I'm doing today if I hadn't been obedient. And one of the reasons I bring this up is I felt like the Lord wanted me to speak to you about a couple of things. Because most of our lives is work. And we want to get in on the work that God has for us. And I know that, that from reading and, and visiting the United States that it's not getting any easier to start a career and stick with it. The career I'm ta- is not really what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about this, this idea of calling and that God calls people into situations and with groups of people. Now, as an example of that, when I was a young man, I had a career in education. And I, was, I remember one time I was driving home from inner city Los Angeles, and uh, I realized that I was making a living doing what I was on earth to do. That God had made me a teacher, and I was teaching, and I was getting paid for it. <laughs> that was pretty cool. And, but what I was doing, and this is very key, and I can't overstate this, is I was not doing this for God. I was doing it with God. Now, let me say that again. Our goal here is not just to get all excited and run out and do things for God. Our goal, as like these, these, these young ladies testified about praying for other people, is you wait on the Lord. Why? Because you want to pray what he's praying. Okay, when you bless somebody, you want to wait a moment and say, Lord, how do you want to bless this person? Because it's not just doing for God, but doing with God. And uh, I want to uh, um, say a few kind words about Paul and Karen, because uh, I, I, you're going to find this funny, but I listen to probably hundreds of Paul's sermons, and I can only remember a few. <laughs> but I remember his life. And uh, in particular, I remember after I'd been a boy, and, I, and I, then I was 24, and I returned to San Pedro, and I returned, and Paul Anderson was different. And years later, I asked him, what happened to you? And he said, grace finally fell into my, the deepest part of my heart. I remember that conversation because he laughed a lot more when I was a man than when I was a boy because God had stuck with him, and he had stuck with God. Now, this brings me to another point. I believe that each of us ends up doing a work with God, something God has uniquely given you talent to do where you can do it with skill, you can do it with excellence, and you can get paid for it. But I also want to challenge you because I, from what I notice of U, uh, U.S. culture, people are like Teflon-coated. People don't stick to each other. People don't try to get glued to each other. And as I look back on my life, I want to testify that the times I was most closely stuck to people were the times of greatest pain and greatest healing. Now, you know, you are trying to figure out where God wants you to be. And I don't want you to be afraid to be in one place for years at a time. And you may get in with people and, you know, you may have read in the book of Proverbs, the proverb that says, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And I want to tell you, it's like that. If you get into a situation where you are are living in some kind of faith community, you get close enough to where you annoy each other. You get close enough to where you bother each other. And then you have to work it out. 
And what I find is that, for, just just popped to mind, I have a colleague, a guy who's my age, works with me, and he bugs me. <laughs> and the more I pray about it, the more I realize it's not his problem. <laughs> it's my problem. But God put me next to that guy to reveal things in me that are about God wanting to heal me. And uh, it's interesting that uh, my congregation, my home congregation in San Pedro, took on a phrase in, in, the, um, in the 80s and 90s to be a healing, caring community. And that was not just a nice thing to say. Because there really was healing and caring going on in that community. Particularly with people who stayed put long enough to receive it. And... Uh, on, on this trip, um, my wife and I have been in the United States since May 2nd, and we've already bumped into people that we grew up with, that I grew up with. Um, and I have seen that the people who've stayed in one place long enough are healed and are healing other people. They are healed and they are healing other people. And no doubt you know that people who are wounded who don't get healed end up wounding other people. But I, I say this because I felt like God put a conviction on my heart to tell you, we are a part of something great. God has called us to partner with him in this world. And that God has given us a way, has given us ways that we can see him get the glory he deserves. And so let me just briefly uh, talk about what we do in Africa. And then I have a hunch in that my wife needs to say a few words, so... I'll give her the microphone in a minute. Um, I have been a follower of Jesus most of my life. Um, My parents became Christians when I was six, and I started Sunday school. I grew up in a Lutheran church where confirmation was very good and very real. And when I was 13 years old, um, the two pastors in my congregation, one of whom was Paul, laid hands on my head and blessed me, and I regard my conversion from that time. Because it was at that moment I distinctly remember where I was, and I knelt down and I said, God, I'm following you. And I have not uh, strayed from that. I have not backslidden or anything like that. I wouldn't want to waste the time. Um, God has allowed, as I said, for us to move to Zimbabwe. And currently, um, I would love to tell you that I lead, I speak to crowds and I lead packed seminars, and my workshops are, you know, the best thing ever, but that wouldn't be true. Uh, Zimbabwe has terrible problems, and it just doesn't work well, at least from an outsider's point of view. I mean, it just, inflation is, 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 is bad, and there's 90% unemployment, and uh, there's not enough food to feed everybody, even though it's a very fertile country, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's, I'm not going to belabor that. But... My wife and I were called there by the Lord. We give away what we were given. Any healing we've received, we hand out. Uh, We try to get to know people. Uh, You might find it funny to find out that uh, one of our most effective ministry tools is a dinner party. We invite a couple, uh, three or four or five, six people over to our house. We have a nice meal. We sit and chat, and the love of God flows. And that's one of our ministry models. I, like I said, I would prefer to speak to crowds, but the Lord hasn't arranged that yet. The other thing I would mention, and uh, if you think of me, you can pray with me about this. There is a university in the city where I live. I live in the city of Bulawayo, Zimbabwe, and there's a university there. 
And despite my age and whiteness, I am reaching out to university students at the uh, university there because I believe God wants them to have an opportunity to be discipled and to live in a Christian family of some sort while they are at university. And uh, I think I'm going to stop because that's all I believe the Lord asked me to say at this point. And I'm going to turn over to my wife and ask her to make a couple comments. I'm going to take a little bit of a different tack here um, because it is very difficult for us to, to know quite how to share with you what life and ministry is like in Africa, particularly in Zimbabwe, and so I'm not even going to try. Um, just to tell you that I do two-thirds of my grocery shopping in another country, um, for starters, and uh, that in order to keep my freezer running, I have electricity, um, a generator, an inverter, and gas. So, yeah, things take a little longer living in Zim. But I want to try and get you, uh, give you a little bit of a feel for, um, for, what, for uh, the people of Zimbabwe. And in so doing, I need you to, to help me on some, and answer some questions. And so my first question to you is this. What, how does an, what, what is the predominant behavior of an orphan? If you have no parents, or you're parentless, how do you live? How do you respond to your world? Grabbing, Grabbing yeah. Skeptical, okay. Okay, yeah. Sorry? Yeah, that's a good one, yeah. Isolating, Isolating. okay. Searching. Yeah, belonging, searching, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry? Okay, lust, yeah. Lusting after what others have. Oh, lost and lost. Lust and lost. Yeah? Yeah, defensive. Um, nobody else is going to look out for me. I've got to look out for number one. Um, all these things are, are very relevant um, and, and very true of, of orphans. So if that's true of an orphan, how does an orphan relate to other people? Not too well. So let's describe not too well. What does it look like? Avoidance? Sorry? Yeah, masks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Much fear, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anxiety. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, a lot of aggression. Uh-huh. Right, right. Okay. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on. Yeah, just finish that one up. Okay. Good point. And? Uh huh. That's right. That's right. Okay. Now let's take it another step. What if you're, how would that kind of person lead others? Manipulation, yeah. Intimidation, okay. Very 
pridefully, abuse. fear, abuse. yeah, abuse. Would you like to be under this kind of a leader? Okay. In Zimbabwe, and I mean, we could go on. I mean, you, we're just, we're just, we've just taken like three minutes and just blipped over this, okay? So, you know, you, could, you, can, you know that you could go deeper and you can, can really begin to understand that there's some, some heavy, heavy issues that are, that are going on here. Now, in Zimbabwe, um, we mentioned that there's, there's over 80% unemployment. Um, we've also, m uh, we didn't mention that um, at probably a, th a quarter to a third of the nation is living outside the nation at this time. And that's because people cannot get jobs in the country. So that means that dads, moms, they're gone, okay? We, we spend, we go down to South Africa about four times a year in order for me to do my grocery shopping, okay? No, we have other things to do at the same time. But a lot of the, um, the waiters and waitresses are from Zimbabwe. And more often than not, you know, will be um, served by, by a woman who is, and she'll tell us she has kids, and her kids are in Zimbabwe, and she's in South Africa. And she hasn't seen her kids. Sometimes there'll be a newborn. She'll have give birth to a baby, be gone within three months, and hasn't seen that child for nine months. Okay? Because she's trying to make money in South Africa in order to send back to her mother to take care of the kid. But not only do we have that economic situation in our country, we have HIV AIDS that's rampant. So that takes out another whole sector of men and women. I mean, you can, you can look at our, our population of our country. Do you know that the median age of people in Zimbabwe is 18 years old? Okay? That's the average age of somebody, 18 years old. How many of you are, are over the hill? <laughs> okay? Yeah. Over the hill. Sorry, guys. All right? So, um, so what you, you realize is that there are a lot, there's a lot of fatherlessness in this nation because people literally haven't had their parents growing, you know, around them. But at the same time, you had within, within, the, 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 uh, this, this, within this country, when the, the, the government came in, the current government came into power in 1981, missionaries' um, visas were done away with. So no more missionaries can be in the country. But between about... 1910, 1980, there was a huge missionary movement, huge uh, a church movement into Zimbabwe. But the people who went in to lead those movements never believed that they would either leave the country or if they did, somebody else would come from outside and take over. Or they would just, you know, so, so they never ever raised up a national leader. So when in 1981, when they do away with all of those visas, all, this, all these people are gone. And you're left with a church that has no fathers in it. Okay? You've got people who may have sat under that leadership, but you don't have people that are that top leadership. And so those people who sat under it, are, they, they're trying to remember as much of, of what they've absorbed. But when it comes to passing it on to the next generation, what do you find? You find a vacuum. Now, we just start, I started off by us describing what it is to be an orphan. If you do not know what it means to have a father. But all of us are spiritually orphans if we do not know our heavenly father. And what we have in Zimbabwe 
is we have churches run by people who are orphans. And our churches are struggling. There's a lot of religiosity in Zimbabwe. But people do not understand the magnitude and the victory and the power of what the cross has done. Because you and I know that in 2 Corinthians it says, you know, I am a new creation. You know, the old is gone, I am I'm new. That doesn't mean, that, that means that, that when we accept Jesus and we, we, we cling to that cross, we're not saying, well, I'm just going to add this Christian thing to who I am. Nah, it's not that. We are turned inside out Amen. by the cross. Amen. Okay? And there are things that we were that we are no longer. We were slaves to sin, but we are now free. Okay? We were, um, you know, we, the old man is now a new creation. Okay? Um, and, I, you know, you can go on. We were darkness, and now you are light. And you can go on and you can think about other, other, other aspects where you were, but now you are something totally different. You were orphans. We were all orphans. But now we are children of God. Now, we've talked about what it means to be an orphan. What does it mean to be a son or a daughter if you have God as your father? Compare it. We said that if you were an orphan, you would be, what was one of the, give a description, and let's think of the opposite. Okay, so if you're an orphan, you're defensive. Why are you defensive? Because nobody else is going to take care of you, right? And so if somebody challenges you, that pride, that wall's going to go up, and you're going to say, no. but if you have a heavenly father, I don't have to be defensive. I'm confident. I'm accepted. I can't do anything more to let God love me more. You know, I am totally accepted as I am today. I'm totally loved as I am today. I don't have to grab for stuff. I don't have to be fearful that I don't know where the next meal's coming from or the next provision is coming from because I have a heavenly father who owns the sheep and the cattle of a thousand hills. Now, the people of Zimbabwe desperately need to know this. Because if you've got 80% unemployment, your economy is shattered. There is no way to make money. There is very little hope to know that, y that, that or, or confidence to know where the next meal is coming from or how you're going to pay for the school fees for your children or how you're going to pay rent or how you're going to do a million other things. And so how much more do you need to know that your Heavenly Father will provide? And so, you know, it's not just in Zimbabwe that we find that we deal in the body of Christ with an orphan spirit. Many of us do not grasp the fact that we are no longer orphans. We have absolute access to the Father. And, and that changes everything about the way I live and the way I view my world. And... I've, I've, re I've realized that Zimbabwe isn't alone in having that orphan spirit. Yeah. We struggle with it in the United States. Yeah. <coughs> We've struggled it with it, you know, in every nation of the world. There is, there, there is a, that, that spirit is there, and it's moving, and it has its disastrous impact in the lives of people, in the way they relate, in the way they lead. 
But if we really, really want to see change and transformation, then we need to understand that it's the cross, the victory of the cross, the power of the cross, and the fact that the cross has taken care of it once and for all that allows us to live a life of freedom, of joy, and, and you know, embrace the Father. And so in sharing with you a little bit about what we do in Zim, a little bit of what we do is try to present people with the fullness of the cross and to show them that they're no longer orphans, but they're children of the king and they're heirs of the kingdom. I'm going to ask them both to pray for us, and then we're going to just spin around in small groups and pray for one another. So I'm really thankful that uh, many of the things that Jay said just go right home to us. And he talked about community. God's building a community here. God's building a community of people who like each other. Community went this way over the weekend with 12 people who spent a weekend together. You can't do that without some community happening, driving four hours together and, and spending time together. And so I'd like you to pray for that for us. And anything else that you said, uh, and I'd like you to pray because uh, you talked at once, I believe, about orphan spirit, and that doesn't escape us. You know, that, that, that can be right here in our midst, and so I'd like you to pray for that for us. And then as we break up, you can talk about uh, praying for one another for community. Maybe somebody doesn't, maybe you don't feel like you have a community. Maybe this is becoming a community, but it's, it, you still need some more connections. So we're going to pray, and then we're going to get break into small groups. Now you know that when one person filled with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit prays for other people who are filled with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's an opportunity, right? Okay, this is an opportunity for God to add another layer, another degree, another deposit in your life about how to stay stuck with other people. Okay, are you ready for that? Because I'm going to pray, and if you want this, then you in your heart tell God you want it. Okay, you ready? Okay. By the authority given me as a child of God, I command a blessing on everyone who is here. An increased ability to get to know each other well and to be instruments of love and blessing to each other. Heavenly Father, because I believe you want me to, I'm saying in your name that this, these people here will be more able to love each other, more able to live in peace, and more able to help each other grow. And fundamentally, Heavenly Father, we believe that you will get more glory. You will get what you deserve. When people encounter these people, they will encounter the alternative, the new life in Christ, the new family. Now, Heavenly Father, make this happen. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I felt it. Did anybody else? You know, maybe I felt that. I felt that empowering. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would show us in our own lives where we have failed yet to grasp that we are no longer orphans, but that we are 
children of the king. We have access to Abba. We have access to the one who delights to lavish us in with all goodness, with far more abundantly, more than anything we would hope or ask for. And Lord, I pray for those here who even as I spoke tonight, just sensed in their hearts that they are still struggling with that feeling of being an orphan, the need to fight for life, the need to grasp for things, the need to defend oneself, the need to um, be aloof, a little aloof, and to protect oneself. Uh, the need, Lord, to um, stand against others speaking into one's life. Lord, so much brittleness, so much hardness, unforgiveness, loneliness, aloneness. Lord, I pray that you would come by the power of your Holy Spirit and bring the revelation not only of the fact that the cross has done it all, but that you desire and it is your delight to um, create that miracle of birthing revelation of the Father in the hearts and lives of those who've never heard it. And Lord, I pray that Jay and I would be able to help many in Zimbabwe enter into this newness of relationship with you, that it's not about adding Christianity to who they are, but allowing the cross to transform them inside out and being able to embrace you as Father in a way that they've never known. Give them a revelation of what Father means, what that term means. And may that help to turn this nation around and to begin to build where so much has been destroyed. We lift the nation of Zimbabwe to you. God, we so desperately need your kingdom to come and your will to be done in Zimbabwe. We pray for those who are starving this year. We pray that you would meet their needs. We pray for those who um, are, are fearful and that you would protect them. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that as we see the end of one leader's life and the need for that to be replaced by another that you would watch over and guard and keep us safe and protect us lord in this transition from evil in jesus precious name amen join me as we pray for them now and pray for their nation that they're a part of uh, imagine being in a nation where there's no hope where there's no hope, there's no jobs, there's no economy, there's no future, there's just no future. Jesus needs to break through. So uh, we bless them now. We pray for Jay and Sarah and their family. God, we, we, can just, we cannot imagine how bad it is how terrible it is, how corrupt it is, how desperate it is, how depressed it is. People have no hope and no reason for hope. 
apart from the God of hope. And so they're going to need to see lots of miracles. I pray that you would give them authority and power to do the miraculous. We pray that you would use them to heal people, that they would speak words of life, and that they would lay hands on the sick and that they would recover. We pray, Holy Spirit, come upon them in great power and great authority. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would give them what they have not experienced before, that when they go back this time, they will see things they have not seen before, simply because it must be done, simply because they have to do it. They are desperate, and you love desperate people. You love holy desperation. And, Lord, in the desperation of this country, let them take, you take them, Lord. Bring a resurrection. They're dead. Bring resurrection to the life. Take them out of darkness and into light. Raise them up to be a nation and then be a glorious nation that will give you glory, O Lord. May Zimbabwe be in that Revelation 21 march where the kings of the earth are coming and people are bringing their treasures of their wonderful Zimbabwe culture. Let it be. And let Jay and Sarah have a stake in this in the days ahead. We pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Now I'm going to I'm going to bless you with the Lord's blessing and then we'll spin around and you may have a, a small group for three minutes or it may be for three hours. It's your choice. However long I'm going to ask Jay and Sarah to stay up here. They're hangers hanger honors. And so they remember the last time they were here. I was long t- gone to bed, which, you know, that would be the case. But they were staying and they were praying for people. So they, they like to pray with people. So it may be a missionary call or it may be a desire to uh, have impact in a school. But you ask them to pray for you. So here we go. Catch it. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.